Hi, I'm Tim Zacharias with Cougar USA and your host of Building Value. My guest today is Corinne LeBlanc. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. So excited to be with you today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, love the energy, Corrine. Corrine is, is, is a specifying sales engineer at U.S. Air Conditioning Distributors, speaker, trainer, coach, and author. So congratulations on the largest or longest title of any guest so far. I'm very excited to have Corrine on today. We're going to be talking about the soft skills, the human skills, and how those play into the technical world. So we're going to be talking about her background, involvement with ASHRAE, and her new book, How to Be Human in a Technical World. On Building Value, we go behind the scenes of building operations to showcase the people and products that make buildings work and the value they bring to the community. So, cool. Well, can you tell me about where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in Quebec City. Small little town, 600,000 people. Everybody speak French. Very safe. You can go out at night. Uh, Nothing is never going to happen to you. When there is something happening in a newspaper, everybody's like, oh my God, like a cat died, you know, something like that. <laughs> no, so, they're having to uh, make up news, basically. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I love, I love Quebec City. I'm always going to be uh, very close to my city. Nice. So how did you end up in California where you are now? Uh, believe it or not, um, I wanted to learn English. Okay. And um, in my university, we have to do uh, three internships. And I did the first one at the airport of Montreal. And then the second one, I did it for Carrier uh, Corporation in Montreal. Okay. And this is when I realized I'm like, oh, I'm a salesperson. Yes, <laughs> I found what I wanted. Right. And then my third internship, I was like, okay, I already know I want to go in sales. I already know I want to work for a manufacturer like Carrier at that time. But I don't speak English, and obviously this is a big lack. So at my going away lunch uh, with my internship with Carrier, I just raised my hand and I told the guys, I'm like, oh, you know what? My dream is to go to US and learn English. And one of the guy, uh, Guy, was like, oh, my brother-in-law lives there. You know, maybe I can send him an email. And then that was it. Nice. I got an email. He just had lost his uh, internal um, salesperson, inside sales. I was available. I came for an internship, and that was it. After the internship, I moved here. I fell in love with California. Nice. That's awesome. And where are you now? Where in California? I'm in Los Angeles. Okay. So what is the, what's the company you're at now, and what, what's your role? I work for U.S. Air Conditioning Distributor. We are a privately owned distributor, and I've been working them there since basically right off school. Okay. So when I did my turn internship to learn English, it was with them. So they've seen the Korean coming and not speaking so much English and saying uh, yes or smiling because I didn't really understand. And they've seen me grow from like the inside sales intern to becoming a specifying sales engineer. So this That's is awesome. my, uh, my current role, but I've always been a specifying sales engineer. Okay. And so are you, you call mostly on uh, consulting engineers? 
I only call on consulting engineers. And uh, sometimes I call on owners. I have a couple mm -hmm. owners. And uh, sometimes I will sell direct if there is, um, like, uh, they want something very fast or I have a good relationship with the owner. Uh, like Cedar Sinai Hospital, you know, I call on them. I've been calling on them. I've been selling them a lot of chillers. So um, the relationship started 10 years ago. But uh, yeah, our company is, is awesome because it's privately owned. So if I have a question, I can just walk down the hall, talk to a CEO, CFO, and nice. I'm like, hey, John, I have a question. I need help. And that's it. It's, I don't need like a, a special uh, appointment. I don't need to be important <laughs> i don't have to ask or beg the secretary or the executive assistant so i i really love this the uh, the family feel sure. and the uh, the fact that it's uh, accessible so yeah definitely definitely Great agree with you there we're we're a small company as yeah. well and definitely love that kind of family environment and uh not all the red tape that comes with a big corporation so <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like I'm a number, you know, they know me, they know my name. And if I don't show up at a sales meeting, they know they're like, Kareen, where were you? <laughs> nice. So is I imagine with some of the new legislation in California, moving away from natural gas, is that presenting some opportunities for y'all? Yeah, a lot of opportunities and a lot of headaches, too. Yeah, because we uh, we have a huge inventory, you know, we, we uh, have probably like 80 million of inventory in our, uh, wow. in our at our headquarters. So uh, that means that everything that is gas, now we have to rethink sure. and we have to talk to the factory of what's going on. And uh, no, it's, we're very excited about it. And uh, of course, um, we rep York and uh, York has stepped like forward and have mm -hmm everything available they are they have been working for a long time on it so i feel very well equipped to uh, attack this new decarbonization yes. um, thing that is going on and uh, so i'm very excited about it yeah and you know we have a little bit different uh kind of regulatory environment here in texas but it this wouldn't be the first time that california has passed uh, regulations that have kind of had a cascading effect across the country. Just, you know, like you said, York's already uh, kind of had to react to it. And, and that once those manufacturers make those changes, they don't necessarily make them state by state. It's kind of a big, big shift. So I, I do think, you know, New York, California could potentially have a similar impact in other states um, like it has in the past. So very interested to see how all that rolls out. So, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you've been at the same company since your internship and they've kind of seen you grow. Uh, but you, you've also kind of grown within the industry and gotten involved with ASHRAE as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely, Tim. Uh, I joined ASHRAE actually when I was a student at my university. Okay. So it looks like it's so funny because I grew with US Air Conditioning as much as ASHRAE all together. And one good thing that I can say is that my company always supported me with ASHRAE, no matter what. Yep. Uh, you know, they pay for my, my dinner, they always encourage me, uh, they receive my emails, they point when I have spelling error in my emails. <laughs> <laughs> that would be from my boss. Uh, no, so seriously, I started with ASHRAE when I was a student, and actually ASHRAE has kind of changed my life because when you work in sales, you don't really get the opportunity to lead a team or to manage people. And 
learn how to to collaborate mm -hmm. or communicate or create relationships. So within Ashri, I got to really get to learn that part because I volunteered and then I went up the rank and I become president of the chapter. And the chapter had 800 members. Wow. And then I had to learn how to, to lead, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with different personality, <laughs> how to, to take care of like maybe members that are not doing their job to step up. And to be a leader and have people um, being paid to follow you is a whole different story compared to being a leader for a volunteer organization. Sure. Because people don't need to follow you, right? They, they, if they like you, if they like the message or the vision or the mission, then they will follow you. So I feel like when you're a leader for a nonprofit, for volunteers, this is really what makes a difference. Sure and to show if you're actually a good leader. So I learned, I learned everything from Ashri about this. And then after the chapter, I became the regional director. Okay. And then I was responsible for 4,500 members in my Ooh. region 10. And then I was sitting on the board of this huge 55,000 members organization. So again, I would have never learn all of this just by doing my job every day. So I'm very, very grateful for everything that I received from Ashray. And this is why I give so much back because I feel like it's normal, right? It's like mm -hmm. payback time. Yeah, pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Oh, absolutely. It's a great organization. And uh, it, it's interesting to hear you talk about the difference between leading in the company versus leading in the nonprofit. I mean, I feel like definitely within that nonprofit, you have to have the passion and and want you know, you know believe in what that organization is doing to excite people to kind of you know want to follow you and and get more involved like you said it definitely is a lot bigger effort there uh, than than when you're paying people <laughs> within your organization uh, to do the same so definitely appreciate that so you're you know I guess this this past AHR Expo we tried to uh, get together and and do the podcast there in, in Las Vegas unfortunately got a little busy for both of us and it didn't work out, but you were able to do, you did some presentations on the same topic uh, or similar topics to, to the new book, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Ashri was very, very busy as <laughs> much as for you. I did uh, three presentations. I did one for the students to about like 50 to 75 students. And I spoke about how Ashri has impacted my life in my career, so I give them some tips. And then I uh, had a presentation for the AHR Expo, and I spoke about how to be human in the technical world, which is the title of my mm -hmm. book. And my last presentation that I did was um, the soft skills for engineers. It's a course that uh, my partner, Pam, who's also a mechanical engineer, my partner like in HVAC, not my partner in life, <laughs> And uh, Pam and I were both teaching that course for the ASHRAE Learning Institute. And this course is offered to ASHRAE about three times to four times a year. So I had those three presentations and I was also moderating on a panel of um, women in ASHRAE on Monday morning. So I, um, I got to moderate like a panel of five brilliant uh, engineers, women, and this was a huge success. We had like 150 people attend that breakfast. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was crazy. 
That's awesome. Beautiful. A lot of work, but uh, so rewarding. It was good to see everybody in person and hug and talk. And this was so much fun. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that the, the topics that you're presenting on aren't necessarily, you know, what you would think of when you would go to an ASHRAE talk. I mean, a lot of them were about kind of the state of the industry or new technology. But, you know, why is it that you feel so strongly about this, these soft skills and, um, you know, the, how to be human in the technical world that, that is kind of pushing you to do these presentations and, and writing this book? Yeah, that's such a good question, Tim. What I've noticed is, you know, I do a lot of lunch and learns, you know, chillers, rooftop, you know, VRF. And what I realize is it doesn't really matter how smart and technical you are if nobody wants to work with you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I can give all those lunch and learn and I can have so much expertise about my topic, my subject, which I have. But if I don't have the relationship with my clients, if I'm not good with them, if I'm not good with customers, then they're going to go with somebody else. Sure. And even if I know less than my competition, but I'm a better communicator, I'm a better, I'm a better at relationship, I collaborate better, I care more, then I get the business. So I was like, it's not only me who needs that. I think everybody, because I see it everybody, every time I get people interacting with me, and I was like, wow, this was so rude. <laughs> what kind of tone was that? Or I don't want to call that person because they're not nice. Sure. And so I was like, if this helped me, if this impacted my life, then how can I inspire people to change their behavior or to improve and maybe increase their awareness about it? Sure. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, I wouldn't say that's on any of the curriculum of an engineering program or, you know, an industrial distribution program or anything like that, that, that a lot of people take to get into this industry. But it's one of those things, like you said, it's very important. And even though this is a, you know, B2B, you know, business to business type uh, industry, it's, you're still dealing with people, right? I mean, ultimately, some, it's a person still making the decision to buy, whether it's for a company or, uh, you know, whether they're buying something personally. So I uh, definitely appreciate the uh, impact that those softer skills can have and have seen that uh, exactly what you're talking about play out uh, for us. So, so can And you know, Tim, if I may add, uh, what I've noticed, I'm also an ASHRAE Distinguished Lecturer, and we are only 72 Distinguished Lecturer around the world. And what I've noticed is when I look at all the topics of all the uh, presentation, everything was technical. Yep. And then this is where I raised my hand and I'm like, hey, I think we may need this. What do you think? And Ashri took a chance on me, took a chance on the subject, and they allowed me to become a distinguished lecturer. And I spoke about how to use emotional intelligence to become a better person at work and at home. That, that is the title. That was my first presentation that I did. I started in October 2017. Well, just to tell you and show you how maybe this topic is more needed, I spoke and I gave that presentation 84 times in three years and a half. Wow. And when I look at my, my Excel sheet, you know, typical engineer or not a typical <laughs> engineer, but still doing Excel sheet, right? Yep. And I look... 50% of them were 
for U.S. and 50% were outside of U.S. Mm. So there is a need everywhere in the world, not only here. Everybody wants to hear about this. Sure. So when I saw that, I was like, whoa. So people are interested. It's not only me who cares about it. So I decided to talk about it and offer this as well at the HR Expo. And they were kind enough to say, hey, we think the same. You know, we recognize there is a need here. And when I see that I had full, full house in my presentation, then I'm like, okay, this just like adds more oil to the fire, sure, basically. Sure, sure. No, that's great. So if, if a local ASHRAE chapter wants to, for you to come in and do those presentations, that you're still offering that? Yes, absolutely. That's this is a great program that is offered and is um, part of the membership. You know when you pay your membership, your dues for mm -hmm. ASHRAE, people are like, oh, do I really want this? Where does it go? Well, this is one of the advantage. So if you are a chapter in India, for example, and you're looking for an expert in a subject that is not available to you. It could be indoor air quality, it can be central plant, or it can be non-technical subject like mine. Mm -hmm. Then you can request a speaker from a pool of already pre-approved speakers to come and speak to your chapter. Oh, okay. So this is one of the benefits that ASHRI offers. So I spoke in 12 different countries because of that. That's cool. So if I, I go speak in Dubai, I went to Lebanon, I went to Argentina, Colombia, Brazil, Greece, I went to Nigeria, I went to South Africa. All of these give me a chance to talk about my message and help other engineers as well. That's awesome. And I imagine now with, you know, things potentially being virtual, you could, you, you know, the potential for your reach is even greater. All these presentations were in person, by the way. Wow. And then the only one that I did that um, were virtual are the one in India. Oh, okay. So India, I did virtually. I also did England virtually. And of course, a lot of US and Canada. But uh, I'm flying next week to Calgary to give another presentation. Nice. And uh, looking forward to this one. And yesterday I did Hawaii, which I was supposed to be in person, but I did virtual. This I really wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see Hawaii staying on the in-person list. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes, nice. absolutely, yes. So I guess you, did you kind of take all of this experience and, and kind of roll it into the book? Is that how you ended up putting out the book? Yes, absolutely. You know, I really, I really felt like I wanted to share my story and I wanted to inspire other people to also change their behavior and um, increase their awareness about this topic. Because I can speak, but my reach will only go to the people I speak. Sure. But with a book, then I can reach way more people. I can impact way more lives. So I felt like very strongly about this book and um, I don't know if you know Tim but 80% of Americans dream to write a book really but only 1% of them will do it <laughs> okay okay so writing a book is uh, is, is not an easy task right it's like uh, it's pretty tough but I decided on May 1st of last year 2021 that I wanted to write a book 
And I, I never wanted to be an author. I never thought I would be an author. Like, I'm an engineer. I write with bullet, you know, da-da-da-da, enter, da-da-da-da, enter. This is my kind of style of writing. Sure. And if there's a paragraph, I'm like, oh, no, this is way too long. <laughs> <laughs> What's the summary? What's the big picture? Right. What's the message here? And uh, But you know what I did? Something I learned with the years is I asked for help. And I've never asked for help. It was something very difficult for me because um, I don't know why, but asking for help for me is kind of weak. It shows that you're weak and I'm a strong person. Sure. Showing so some vulnerability. Weak. Yeah. But I was, you know, totally wrong. It's not because you ask for help that you're weak. And I asked for help. I hired a book coach and then uh, she helped me and I was able to write my book in six weeks. That's fast. I started writing on, Ju on June 1st, and on July 15th, I had written 50,000 words. Whoa. Yes, and this, the secret is basically the, the preparation, you know, from May 1st to June 1st, to get ready with the outline, what you're gonna talk about, the story, and then when you're ready, you go, and I wrote every morning from five to seven before going to work, and just being consistent, being disciplined, and just get it out. And uh, my book launched on uh, January 28th of yeah. 2022 during the ASHRAE right. conference and the HR Expo. So that was awesome. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And it's a cool story because, you know, I think, like you said, obviously there's a lot of people that have thought about doing it, but it just seems like this massive undertaking. Uh, so to hear it kind of broken down into smaller pieces like that definitely makes it feel more attainable so uh very cool so what what is the title of the book again and, and can you give give us like a little short overview of of what it's all about there, there it is go. how to be human in a technical world I like it. so basically this book will teach you about the magic six i call them the magic six okay because i feel like when you have technical skills and you have human skills here in the middle, when you have both, this is where the magic happens. Okay, you cannot just have human skills, you cannot have just technical skills. So when you have them, the magic happens, and I call them the magic six. So I teach about six magic human skills. Okay. And when you develop those skills, it will help you basically become a better human in that technical world. It will help you change your behavior. It will increase your awareness. And then I feel like you're going to be more productive and you're going to be happier because if you think about like a moment or a person that, you know, you're dreading to talk to because maybe they're aggressive, maybe they're not nice, you have conflict with them. I feel like it decreases our productivity, right? It's like you think about that and it sucks all the energy from you just having to go talk to them. You're like, oh, my God, how am I going to do that? Or are they going to be in a good mood today? Are they going to be overreacting? <laughs> and now you're all like walking on eggs and you're like, oh, my God. So when, when you deal with all of this, after that, you're going to feel like so free and so happy. And then you're going to go back and get so much done. And it's going to be so helpful. So this book will do that. Nice. So I know you, you don't want to give away all the secrets, right? Because then people won't need to go <laughs> buy the book and read it. But can, can you tell us what the, the magic six are? 
Yeah, of course, okay. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have them all written here. Self-love. Okay. First of all, self-love. So you must love yourself and care about yourself first, right? Makes sense. And then self-control. How you manage yourself. So you, one thing that, you know, in this book, I talk about my personal story. Okay, how I changed my life 180 degree. How I transformed from Korean version 1.0 to Korean 2.0. And in that story, I talk about how before I was controlled by my emotions. I would overreact. And then I learned how to control myself and control my emotion. And this is chapter two. And then in the chapter three, actually not chapter three, but the, the third skills, and then the third skill about uh, is self-discipline, because you can control yourself, but for how long? Mm -hmm. You know, are you gonna do it for six months? Or are you gonna do it for a year? And then the last three are uh, to give recognition. So when you give recognition, you receive appreciation. Okay. And this is one thing that Ashri does very well is they give a lot of recognition. There is so many certificates. You know, I could paint my whole office wall of certificate. So they do that. It's a very important. Then uh, the number five is connecting. I talk about you can communicate, but until you connect, this is where really uh, everything changes. So you can say things, but when you connect, this is more important. And the last one is empathy, to show empathy. Yep. This one. It's a hard one. I was a big zero when I started. I could care less if somebody was like sick. I'm like, oh my God, you're not coming to the office. You're sick. How <laughs> thick can you be? Really? Uh, Hello. You know? So uh, yeah, self-love, self-control, self-discipline. So this is all in the self-awareness. Okay. Then the social awareness is recognition, connection, and empathy. Nice. I like the way you broke those down. And, you know, I was, I was kind of nodding my head along the way going, you know, I think I got that. I like that. I feel like I do pretty good on that. And then you brought up the empathy and it's like, oh man, I just, I'm going to have to read the book now to figure out that one. Cause I've, I know you, you've mentioned, I think on, on the website, um, I'm assuming there's some ties to disc, the disc profile in this, because I saw you mentioned that, but I've, I've done the strengths finder assessment through, through Gallup and I, I got the 34, you know, the all 34 strengths theme. Can you guess what my, my number 34 was? <laughs> <laughs> it was empathy. Yeah. So it, but it was, it was kind of a slap in the face when I, when I realized that, man, I, and I kind of started looking back and I was like, yeah, I'm just really kind of aloof or not even, you know, aware that, that I'm that bad at empathy. So it's, it's definitely been something I'm more aware of, but I would definitely say I have room for improvement. And I, I think my wife would agree with that statement. <laughs> she probably said it's an understatement. Tim, I love it because you just show that you have, you're aware of it. And this is, I think, so important because once you're aware, then you have to make the choice. Am I doing something about it or not? Sure. And most of the people are not aware. So if you're not aware, how are you supposed to change? Yep. You don't know what you don't know. Very true. So I'm, I'm really like hoping that this book will create some light bulb moment that people are going to be like, ooh, that's me. <laughs> and one thing that I do in the book is every skills has a set of questions to find out are you like that or not i give examples and you're like okay uh, okay from zero to ten am i like this or not 
And then I took all those questions and I made them in an assessment. Okay. So you can actually do the assessment. And after that, it will give you a wheel and say, okay, you're good at this and maybe you need to work on that one. So maybe for you on the, on the pie, it would be empathy would be like, okay, I need to work on it this. It would definitely be that. It, yeah, you'd, <laughs> it's definitely going to be an area I work, need to work on. So is that an assessment you recommend taking before reading the book? So I feel like when I've done these before, I like kind of doing that up, up front. I feel like if I read the book, then I can maybe cheat the, the assessment to, <laughs> to look a little, a little better. That's a very good question, actually. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you should do it before. Read the book and do it after, right? Okay. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, uh, it's on my website and um, you can do it. It's free. And then in order to improve, you know, every chapter has those takeaways, application exercise. So it's not only like I'm going to read a book and I'm going to be inspired is I'm going to read a book and know exactly what to do to improve. That's good. And again, I'm giving the tools like the disk, the strength finder are one of the tools that I also talk about because they work very well mm -hmm. for me and they work so well that I gave it to my family so I can understand them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, oh, this is why, you know, I don't like it when you say stuff like that because you're like this, you know? Yeah. So it really, really helped me understand. Absolutely. I, I actually did the same thing. I had my wife take the, the strengths finder and our top five is almost identical. And it was like, oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome yeah. that you did that. Yeah. Good job. Are you doing it with your, uh, your office? We have. As well? So we do, everybody that comes through uh, the interview process at Cougar, they take the Strengths Finder assessment. Um, and this, this, I mean, I could, I got a whole history of the Strengths Finder assessment. I like, won't go too deep into it, but when I was in college, I applied at Best Buy and for like a sales job. And they have you take the strengths finder assessment as part of their like application, but they didn't really tell me what I was doing or what, what the impact was going to be. And when I got through the, 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 the application, I went and told the manager, Hey, I got it. I'm finished. Can you know, is it all good? And he tried to look it up and he was like, Oh, I can't find it. Let me look over here. He's like, Oh, sorry. Your, your application has been rejected. Uh, and he looked at me like, straight face you, you know, at Best Buy, we only hire yellow personalities and you didn't come up as a yellow personality, right? So you have the four buckets in the strengths finder and the yellow is influencing, which yeah. makes sense why they would want that. But he didn't tell me that at all. And so I just left and was mad at Best Buy. I literally didn't buy anything for Best Buy for like 10 years until I sat in a strengths finder assessment like course. And I saw their name up on the board that they use it. And I was like, ah, okay, now I get what's going on. But I'm still not a yellow personality, by the way. Um, I'm like split between executing and strategic thinking. But yeah, it, uh, <laughs> yeah. So after all that, I have a wife to it. Um, the only yellow I have in my top five is competition. And my wife and I are both very competitive. So it, that explained a lot. <laughs> competition is my number one. Is it? Yeah, that's that's good. And there's a activator, futuristic, and uh, I'm not sure about the other one. What are yours? So Do you remember that? Yep, uh, I have uh, achievers my number one, and then learner number two, competition three, uh, and then it's strategic and responsibility. Nice. I have commander also. Okay, that's a good. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, "Ooh, command! I don't want to be a dictator," you know. 
But then I read about it. I'm like, okay, this is all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was what I didn't like about the way the Best Buy used it was because the whole intent of it is to kind of point out your strengths and then show you how you can use them. Not necessarily saying any one strength is better than the other. Um, and so when, when we do our interview process now, if we don't hire somebody, I still go through their strengths finder results with them and hopefully they walk away with something that's helpful, um, even if it's not a job here at Cougar. So make sure that they don't walk away pissed off at Cougar like I was at Best Buy for 10 years. Wow, good job. So you're applying something that you learn. You know, you're like, I'm not going to make the same mistake. Exactly, yeah. This, this hurt me. I'm not going to do to other people. Oh, exactly. that's awesome. Yeah. Good job, Dan. <laughs> well, you should write a book, yeah, too. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that. But it, uh, it, was, it was definitely one of those, uh, it was kind of one of those light bulb moments that, like you said, when I did go through it, and it, it was like, wow, I definitely, you know, this makes sense as you read through the report. And similar with DISC uh, as well. So I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, because I'll be honest, I was waiting to read the book until we talked. I didn't want to kind of cheat and, and get ahead. But So I'm curious to read the book now and, and see how all those uh, go together. Yeah, I love it. I love that the this tell you how to communicate the do's and the don'ts and what motivates them as well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I use it when I go into sales. I look at the person I'm talking to and I'm like, okay, are they a green, a blue, a yellow or a red, you know? And if I see that they're more like decisive, aggressive, I'm not going to go to the detail. I'm not going to go to the detail of the, the proposal or the specs. I'm just going to tell them, hey, you're going to save that much money or this is going to be a lighter unit. This, you know, like what's the end result sure. because they're red. But most engineers are blue. They're all analytical. They're all compliant. So when I talk to them, I tell them, well, this meets gonna, this going to meet Title 24 or this going to be more efficient. Um, I'm going to go to all the details of the unit, what it can do. When I make selection, it's not 92 degrees, it's 92.4 degrees right. because I know how they are, right? I'm not going to get pissed. I'm not going to dismiss, oh, but come on, 400 CFM, 450 CFM, who cares? No, I will do 450 because right. they are blue, right? So I, I learned about this and it's really helpful. And you know what? I used this at the hospital. I was going on the plant. They were having problem with their chillers. And I go talk to the um, operating and maintenance manager or director. And guess what? I show up to his office right on his desk. There was a plastic paper that shows the result of his desk. Oh, that's cool. Probably that the, the company made them yep, do that. We do that. And they put it there. But I saw it when I came and I was like, okay, red and yellow. And I'm like, okay, red, yellow, red, yellow. Okay. So do you think I went into the details? Nope. Yeah. I'm like, hey, we can change that chiller. No problem. It's going to be fast. It's going to cost you that much money. Bang, bang, bang. And then I knew it was a yellow. Therefore, I know that he likes a spotlight. He likes to speak. He wants to give his opinion. So I didn't, I just back off. I let him shine. I let him be the, the, the hero sure. or like the, so I adjusted my, my salesmanship according to what I saw. That's interesting. But maybe somebody else would have come in and go into the details or the, which he didn't care, obviously, <laughs> or they would have spoke for 90% of the, the time and the person would have been frustrated. You see how it works? Oh, it's absolutely. wonderful. 
yeah, it's kind of more along the lines of the platinum rule, like treating people how they want to be treated, not, not how you want to be treated, right? Absolutely. That's cool. So is that, you mentioned the placards like in the, on their office, we do that with the strengths finders, everybody's top five strengths is on their, their nameplate at their, their office. It's yeah, it's cool. You guys are awesome. You're <laughs> like, I want to work for you. Awesome. <laughs> Any awesome. openings in Texas? There we go. Hey, we'll, maybe if we pick up a chiller line, then we'll, we'll give you a call. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> awesome. So that's cool. So who, you know, you mentioned salespeople and engineers, kind of this whole technical world. Who do you feel like is, you wrote this book for, who do you feel like is going to benefit the most by reading it? That's a very good question. Not that you don't have good question, Tim, but um, <laughs> I wrote it. I wrote it for technical professionals. Okay. Okay. Like engineers, but not only engineers, because I had some of my friends read the book and they didn't think it would be for them. They're like, oh, you know, it's a book for engineers because they know I'm an engineer. And then they started reading it and they're like, oh, Karine, it's so good. I feel like you're talking to me. And now I feel like I have human skills and actually give me even more confidence at work. So yes, I wrote it for technical professionals, but I feel like it can be applied to everyone. Sure. And I, I had a dentist appointment on Tuesday and she was like, hey, are you stressed out? You know, your gum are like kind of swollen. And I'm like, yeah, actually I have this big book lunch party. I wrote a book. She's like, oh, really? What's about? And I was telling her about it and she's like, oh my God, I need this book <laughs> because all, we have so many dentists like doctors that are so mean to us, so aggressive, they cannot talk, you know, and there is so many conflict and, and she's like, I need this. And I was like, okay, so see, it's a technical professional. Sure. And then I have another friend who works in radiology at the hospital and she says, oh my God, the surgeon, you know, we have to deal with that. <laughs> So another type of technical professional. So I wrote this book for, for, for that, for the, the analytical mind, sure. I guess, you know, the left brain people. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. That, that makes a lot of sense. Cause it is, it's funny. My, my roommate in college and best man at my wedding, he was, uh, he's in an actuary. I mean, he was a math major in college and he ended up basically pushed almost into the kind of the sales role within that organization because he was like a person, you know, he was more personable than most math majors. So I imagine he might, I'm, I'm going to send this to him. I bet he, you know, he's got a few coworkers that might benefit from it as well. Yeah, that's good. It looks like he has, he had the technical part, you yes. know, he had all the math, but he had the human side and it's very rare to have both yes. like, very strong you know usually we're more like one side or the other so that's that's wonderful i think this is what happened to me when i realized that after my first internship when i worked at the airport of montreal about engineering i was like oh i don't think i like that stuff yeah. you know it's like am i in the right place i think i'm in the wrong uh, field until i went to find my second internship and i realized there is technical sales and mm -hmm. i was like I love this. This is fun. Yeah. You know, you get to use your brain and also a lot of relationship and interaction and I'm very like people person. So this is, this is good for me. Absolutely. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. I mean, I feel like it, it, you know, the kind of people are like always ask like, Hey, what's, what do you do? What's Cougar do? And it, 
you're like, well, we sell plumbing and mechanical equipment for commercial buildings. And you're like, oh, it doesn't really sound that exciting, but it really is. Like you said, I mean, it's problem solving. We get to be in a lot of cool buildings, like you've mentioned, hospitals and other things. So yeah, it is, uh, there's a lot more on the people side that goes into it in that technical world. So that's, uh, that's awesome. So what would you say to, like what would be kind of your advice to anyone in the industry or in general that's looking to improve on their, their human skills? What would be your advice to them? Read my book. <laughs> <laughs> a true, a true salesperson there. I love it. No, but seriously, it's like, uh, I, I can, I can tell you what to do, but I feel like it's almost like your parents telling you what to do. Eh, you know, it's like, until you really see it and you read it and you want it, you want to do the work, you want to improve, you want to become a better person, then this is where it's going to happen. I think until you realize that, you know, I feel like it, it really makes a difference if, um, an incident or how, how hurt you are basically, or I tell everybody, it's almost like being on a cruise control. You know, you live your life, you're on cruise control, you have your speed and you go and sometimes you accelerate, sometimes you slow down, but it's always the same scenery. You know, you wake up, you go to work, you sleep, take care of the kids, do the grocery and repeat, you know? Sure. And then one day you're like, Am I happy? Am I doing the best that I can do? Am I living to my full potential? I'm 44. I'm going to turn 45 in May. And then I'm like, is this what living is about? What are my values? What can I do with my life? And then they're like, okay, I want to do better. I want to have an impact. I want to mentor. I want to coach. I want to be a role model. And then this is where you start doing the work and you ask yourself questions and you apply some tools that you learn from my book. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I, I think that's, um, you know, I think it, it's, I, I think what it's showing me, like based on what you're, you're telling me is, that, you know, anybody can read the book, but you have to do the work and apply what you learn to see that, that real change, to have that discipline to continue to, to improve and get better. Yeah, I had a light bulb moment that I, I talk about in my book. And without that light bulb, without that incident, mm -hmm. I don't know if I would be where I am right now. So that person kind of put their finger on, on something that was doing wrong. And they told me. And... Um, I, I took the feedback well, okay? So I decided to change after that moment. And I remember April, 2012, I hired a therapist and I told them, told her, I said, she said, what do you wanna work on, Karina? I'm like, I don't know, but sometimes I'm mean and I don't know why and I wanna fix it. And she's like, okay. And I've been with the same therapist for since 2012. I call her my coach, my therapist, whatever. You know, some people are scared, you know, oh, therapist, she's crazy. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, 
uh, yeah, we, we all need a coach, right? So if you, if you don't have a coach, you cannot improve. So, and um, yeah, but this is because of that story, because of that moment. Somebody who told me something that was not very nice that what's happening. And, you know, you can, you can read the whole story in the book. But if you don't have that person who tells you, it's harder. Sure. You know? I, I, I know as some, I don't know about you, but if I think, if I close my eyes and I think about people that I'm like having a hard time right now, I'm like, oh, I wish I could tell them that they're like this, that they're not fun to be around that people talk behind closed door. And, but if maybe I would dare to tell them, how would they react? Sure. Would they take it? Would they want to change? Would they want to improve? Yeah, those are, they're tough conversations for sure. And like you said, you can, uh, you know, show them the book, teach them, you know, tell them all the ways that they can improve it. Ultimately they have to be willing to accept that feedback and, and wanting to improve. But I think you're, you know, I think this book is probably a, a great path for people to go uh, in that direction if they're wanting to improve based on what you're saying. I'm excited to, to uh, read and get in, get more into it. So I appreciate you, you sharing that with us. I know you, you know, opened up and, and shared a lot about um, yourself and, and your life and how that all kind of flowed into the book. So I appreciate that. And definitely looking forward to, to reading it. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Uh, knowledge is power, but knowledge without action is useless. So you can read 50 books a year and be proud of it. But if you don't apply one thing that you learn per book, what's the point? Then what's the point exactly? Mm -hmm. So I challenge you, I challenge everybody who's listening. If they read a book, or do you read anything? It can be technical, anything. Apply it. Knowledge plus action, then it's power. I like it. It's great advice. Was there <laughs> any, any, other, uh, any other words of wisdom or anything else you'd like to share um, before, we, before we kind of wrap it up here? No, I think that was a good, uh, a good ending to our, uh, to our discussion, right? It's, oh, no, uh, it's great. The in, in the last page of um, of the book, I'm sorry, I keep talking about the book right now. Well, it was kind of, but yeah, I, that's fine. <laughs> I ask, um, I have a contract that I put. I, can, I don't know if you see it here. So I ask you or ask the, um, the reader to commit to change. And the best gift that I got is from a friend who sent me her sign. Oh, that's cool picture of the book and say, Corinne, I commit to get out of the cruise control, to get out of the hamster wheel and to actually work on myself to become a better person. And I was like, wow, she signed it. She put the date, took a picture and sent it to me. And she's like, I love the book. And I was like, oh my God, yes. I even didn't pay her to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it's great that she did that. You put the contract at the end. I mean, you, know, you talk about, or you read about just the simple act of writing down your to-do list or your goals and how much, you know, further along that gets you than, than uh, not doing that. So it's a very cool, very cool way to end the book. Yeah, it says, until the contract is signed, nothing is real. Glenn Denzig. Nice. 
Very cool. Like I said, I'm, I'm excited to read it. I, I, you know, I appreciate you sharing that with us today and everything you're doing for our industry and, you know, technical people in general helping us be better humans. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Tim. You're wonderful. You have great question. I love your energy. <laughs> I love your company. I'm even sporting your there colors There we go. The Cougar Red. I like it. I'm Go Cougar. And I really appreciate your time and uh, your knowledge. It's a, it's a very fun time. It was a very fun time to be with you. Awesome. Well, Kareen, thanks again. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And like I said, everything you're doing for our industry. Um, so that is going to wrap up today's episode of Building Value. Hope everybody enjoyed it and hope to see you on the next one soon.